1: Miller for three.
0: Ow! He backed it in. He backed it in, and the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly.
1: Yes. Tj Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Got it. O'Neal drives on Yao. Puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. (laughs) Anthony
0: Denies him at the rim. Harris LeVert, people don't realize how good he really is. LeVert, skies high for the jam.
2: Stevenson,
0: oh, passes, it passes it in into Savonis for the basket.
1: Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, Miles wow.
3: Turner, bringing that smoke. He flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits.
0: hits, hits. This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to setting the pace
4: pacer nation what is going on welcome back to another episode of setting the pace i'm your host alex golden and today we have a lot to talk about not going to get into another game recap the pacers did beat the knicks 122 to 102 chris duarte led the way with 23 points miles turner had 22 pretty impressive win for a team after going through a lot of reporting on the athletic about a rebuild so the way the pacers came out and played you would have thought they were uh, competing for a playoff spot. So it was really good to see the team come out and play well, but we've got so much news since that game this morning, we found out that the Pacers would be canceling their practice. And the reason was, is because Rick Carlisle tested positive for COVID-19. So he is in health and safety protocols right now. And in addition to that, Jared Weiss of the athletic dropped a very long piece where he interviewed Miles Turner Miles Turner expressing his frustrations with his role and his usage as well, Kevin Pritchard was interviewed for this article. So if you have not checked it out, go to The Athletic and check it out right now. I'm doing a one-on-one interview um, in the second segment with Bob Kravitz, who was with Sham and reporting this Pacers rebuild. And in addition to that, we're going to have a fan of the week on after that. But right now, my co-host Mike faci is going to give us this week's player of the week, and he's going to give us an update on the rookie report. It's time for your setting the pace
1: player of the week, brought to you by Smoke and Barrel Barbecue. They put their heart and soul into the food, and uh, I would love to eat there every day if I could. Open Thursday through Saturday at 11. Located at Camp Sertoma.
2: Smoke and Barrel Barbecue, baby, all good in this hood.
1: Smoke and Barrel Barbecue, it's smoking good. Brogden for three, got it. the Brogden, and Harris Lavert has an Point second quarter. Miles, come on,
0: Turn Miles. To tie it. He does! Tied at 106. Warren lays it in. And the foul.
1: That one! Three J. Swartz. Seponis swept the throw down. Here's another three. Towards oh. Jay- Alright everybody we are back and for last week's setting the pace player of the week we have our very own DeMontis Sabonis who put up 17.3 points per game to go with 17 rebounds and 5.6 assists per game on 63% shooting from the field. Last week we saw the Pacers play far more through Sabonis than earlier in the season and his best performance was a 16-point, 25-rebound, and 10-assist triple-double against the Minnesota Timberwolves, becoming only the third player of all time with a 25-rebound triple-double, joining Shaq and Hakeem Olajuwon, and the very first to have a 25-rebound triple-double that included 10 or more assists. So, great performance by Sabonis last week. Malcolm Brogdon also a close runner-up, but hard to ignore Sabonis' 17 and 17 averages on the week. The Rookie Report, brought to you by Pizza King. Located at 135 and Fairview Road. Call us at 317-882-0340 to place your order today. Pizza King, a proud sponsor of Setting the Pace. The rookie report. Duarte inside scores his first NBA point. Now Duarte, his three is perfect. Duarte. He knows where the clock is, lets it fly, and hits again. Beat him up. Duarte step back three and hits his
0: third. That's a tough three, too.
1: now Duarte, another three. Here's a long three. Duarte! Got (laughs) him! Tucker thought he had a a lightweight. All right, we are back. And for the rookie report, last week, our very own Chris Duarte moved back into the starting lineup and averaged 13.3 points per game to go along with 2.6 rebounds and 2.6 assists per game, kept it consistent, shot just over 41% from the field and roughly 30% from three-point land. While the field goal percentages may not reflect it, it appears Duarte's shoulder is getting healthier and He's looked great in the starting lineup this week, which we'll cover on next week's uh, Rookie Report. Next, our second rookie, Isaiah Jackson. He is no slouch. His numbers might not, you know, say otherwise, but not a big week for Isaiah. He only appeared in one game for five minutes against the Timberwolves, going one for two for two points and a rebound. However, this kid is filled with massive potential and we will get his time to, sh- to show it. Later on in the season, you know, the Pacers mentioned that they really do value Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson should they make a move. It seems like these two are the ones that I don't want to say are untouchable, but it seems like the Pacers would not move. So that is all for this week's Rookie
0: Report. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
3: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
4: All right, everybody joining us now on setting the pace. It is Bob Kravitz from The Athletic. Bob, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? It's my pleasure. I'm doing well, sir. Awesome, awesome. So let's just get right into this. So, um, you know, your, your report came out on Tuesday with Sham Sharania. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, why did the Pacers decide that right now is the time to rebuild this roster? And what was the selling point for Herb Simon to agree to, to what Pritchard had really desired since 2017?
2: Well, I think, you know, I think Herb looks at the team right now, which is 11 and 16. Uh, he looks at the fact that they're last in attendance they're 29th in capacity of a percentage of capacity. And he's got to be thinking, you know, why continue, why continue with this group? Mm -hmm. Uh, what, why continue in this direction? Uh, they've run it back several years in a row now. Uh, I understand that, you know, there's been, you know, major, major issues with injuries that have, you know, uh, I think, you know, caused a lot of problems, obviously, but, uh, you know, I think that uh, coming into this road trip, there was a feeling they wanted to see how they played during this six-game home stretch, and then you'll lose the first two and look lifeless. Uh, they had lost four in a row before winning the last two in a row, and I think it was decided um, uh, on a um, on on a organizational scale
4: mm-hmm.
2: that uh, it, it was time to to rebuild this thing. I think it'll be quote-unquote, a soft rebuild or a retool or whatever semantics you want to use. <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure how you do that, actually. But uh, I don't think it'll be Oklahoma City is what I'm saying.
4: Right, right, right. And, and we know how that has gone for them. And I just would not be something the Pacers would ever really do. But um, the names that you highlighted in your report, obviously, Karis Silverton either Miles Turner or DeMontis Sabonis. How open are the Pacers to trading other players
2: on the team? I I don't think there are any untouchables. Okay. I don't think there's a single untouchable. I I think, you know, when it comes down to Sabonis and Turner, personally, uh, I would prefer to keep Sabonis. Um, I don't know if you saw the story that Jared Weiss did. In The Athletic today where uh, Miles made it very, very clear that he wants to be moved. Um, So once again, the Pacers are put in a position where, you know, they have to make a trade under some duress with a player expressing that he no longer, uh, you know, feels he has a role here. Personally, I mean, I like Miles a lot. Uh, I think he's a really good young man, but I think he's a little deluded into thinking that he is, you know, that he should get more touches, that he would get better numbers. Uh, I think he is what he is. Because, you know, we, we've seen growth over the years, but I don't think we've seen the kind of seismic growth that would suggest that he's a guy who should have a, High usage rate and and be getting lots of shots during the game.
4: Yeah. And I, I think I agree with you there mostly. I mean, Sabonis to me, all around, is just a better player, in my opinion.
2: Yes. Yes. And,
4: uh, you know, Miles does a lot of really good things. And I think a lot of teams could value Miles Turner on their roster. Um, I do want to go back to that article that you did bring up. Obviously, Kevin Pritchard was interviewed for that article as well. And he had some comments to say on Miles Turner as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but with Miles saying this, how does that impact? the team and how does it impact miles Turner's value uh, amongst the league?
2: Well, I think it makes it even, you know, look, I think, as you said, miles has, a, uh, I think he's got a lot of value on the open market. You know, he's a guy who doesn't need the ball, although he feels now that he needs the ball. Uh, he's a great, great defender, great rim protector. Um, so I think he's got a lot of value, but I do think it puts Kevin uh, again in kind of a tough situation where they have to make a trade, uh, with a guy who has said he wants out. Now I don't think that Miles is going to, uh, you know, act petulantly. You know, Miles has been part of trade rumors how many times? Right. And he always he always does this thing. You know, he's always, you know, I I I wouldn't say he's playing like his hair is on fire, but he he brings it most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got value, but I do think it makes it a little tougher to move him. Yeah, and I and I
4: wanted to go this route a little bit. Obviously, he's not the same level of player as. Oladipo or Paul George but for him to kind of come out he's he's been on a multiple podcasts that I've heard and this interview as well as kind of the icing on the cake here with voicing his frustrations with how he's being utilized and his usage rate and that kind of thing um but you know fans seem to be really attached to Miles Turner based yeah, on social he's media a
2: good kid. He's yeah like a kid young man really right. good young man and I mean I'm 61 so they're all kids to me but yeah yeah um he's a terrific young guy does a lot of great stuff in the community He's always been completely committed uh, to this place and to winning as a pacer. Um, But so look, I don't blame him. He's coming up on, on free agency. He's, he wants to show what he's got. He thinks he's got more to give and God bless him. I hope he's right. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's right. But if, you know, I knew there was going to be a problem in the preseason when Miles came out and said, I want more touches. And I think I can average closer to 20 a game. Mm. And then after he scored 40 that one night, he's like, you know, this is something I can do with some frequency. I'm like, no, you can't. No, you can't, man. Yeah. You know, not, not when you're so limited in your offensive game, you know, if he had a post-up game, not that anybody posts up anymore, but if he had a little more uh, juice to his game uh, besides shooting from the outside and, you know, things like that, um, I would think that he, he would justify getting the ball more. But I just don't see his game being that well-rounded offensively.
4: Yeah, and I, I want to touch on that point real quick where I was talking about Oladipo and Paul George because these were two guys that basically said they wanted to win here then they asked for a trade. And then Turner basically said last night, I want to win here, I want to be here. And then this article comes out and he's kind of voiced his frustration. Are you surprised that you know maybe fans aren't a little bit more uh upset that he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth here or is he not well
2: no he is there's no question I mean, okay. what he told jared weiss was one thing i want out or i want a bigger role at the very least and what he told the media after uh, well, was last night's game was you know was bs let's face <laughs> it what, yeah. what is he gonna what's he gonna say right man? right right oh yeah i definitely want out of this joint but look you know i I think it's it'll be a little tough for Indiana fans because Miles has been committed to this city and he's played reasonably well. We've seen him grow from you know that skinny kid who came here. So it'll be a little tough, but look, I I I, I think you can get a pretty good uh, return of investment for for Miles. You know who it might be, God only knows. I you know you can go on the ESPN sports machine and do all you <laughs> want, but so I don't know who specifically, but. Uh, I think he does have some, some, you know, he has significant value in this league.
4: No, I agree with you. And I think there's probably 20 to 22, 25 teams that would love to have him on their roster. But I don't see him getting that big role that he really wants. um, I don't either. Wherever he's dealt. So, I mean, maybe it's just he's tired of being in Indiana and it's not, they're not having success. And maybe he wants more clout with playoff success.
2: Well, I, I think the lack of success is where, where, wearing him out. And, you know, not, you know, when, Here's the thing, you 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 know if you say I want more touches and your team is doing well, that's selfish. If you're saying I want more touches and your team is stinking up the joint, I don't have mu- as much of a problem with that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, no, I just I I think the lack of playoff success and the direction this team is headed, it's at, you know it seems I I can't blame them. I mean yeah. I, I really, you know I, I blame Victor for being weird and change you know changing more than any player I've ever seen uh, come through Indianapolis during the course of his time here. Uh, I can blame Paul George a little bit for trying to please everybody and saying what everybody wants to hear when the truth is, you know, very different from what he's saying. And, but with, with, with Turner, I don't get that sense. So. Yeah. Okay. And that's fair. And I mean,
4: to be fair, his name has been on a lot more trade rumors than players like Oladipo and Paul George's um, were. So, uh just looking at how a team goes about rebuilding you know you brought up okc orlando's kind of doing the same thing as well trying to like bottom out get a lot of draft picks that kind of thing the pacers probably won't do that you already kind of made that notice uh but when they look at making a trade with some of these players you mentioned do you think they go more the route of trying to find a diamond in the rough all Jermaine O'Neal, yeah. or yeah. or are they going to be interested at all in draft picks
2: Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. If they can get if they can get picks up high, I mean, it doesn't do them any damn good to keep getting, you know, draft picks in the teens. Yeah. I mean, they've they've been playing that game since about 1989. You know, right. since uh, George McCloud uh, was uh, picked seventh, I think it mm-hmm. was. But they've always been, you know, ten or higher since then. And so, yeah, I think draft picks are definitely in play. But I do think they're going to be looking for the those diamonds in the rough. I, I just. And I wrote this the other day. I think that the Jermaine O'Neal deal is is perfect. It's the perfect uh, paradigm for what they should be looking for. Find a young guy who's still being developed, still needs some time, but has a chance to be a damn good player. Right. And two more things I want to bring up
4: here about this whole rebuild type of thing. Um, TJ Warren, this is something that was in that article as well, saying that he wants to be in Indianapolis long-term. Obviously, the injuries are a bit of a concern. Mm -hmm do the Pacers want him here long-term and and what kind of contract do you think he really is worth uh, come free agency?
2: Yeah. I, I, the the second question I couldn't really tell you, you know, numbers wise, you know, where he fits, but he is, he's told management that he wants to be here. And, you know, if you've spent any time around TJ, he's a quiet, shy uh, guy who doesn't need the bright lights in the big city. That's not what he's about. He's all about hoops and, you know, just do have run having a life and and I think I think he comes back, you know. I mm-hmm. mean certainly they don't want to lose him for nothing, but if they can reach some sort of sort of an agreement, great. Now what that might look like, I have no idea.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think when TJ Warren's healthy, he's a big part of this team and, and their success oh, and what they yeah. can become and and really his position is the position they miss the most on this roster right now. So there's
2: no doubt. Um, there's no doubt.
4: Yeah. So uh Malcolm Brogdon obviously cannot be traded because of his extension that he signed in the offseason. But that does that mean that come next summer, he's a guy that's gonna be safe.
2: I don't think anybody's safe, Alex. Okay. I, I really don't. I, I think look, they they like Malcolm. Um, you know, I don't honestly have uh, a sense of how Rick feels about about Malcolm. Um I, You know, look, to me, he's the best point guard they've had since Mark Jackson. I realize that's damning with faint praise, but, uh, you know, unless you count two years with Jamal Tinsley. Right, Um, right. But uh, I I think he's a guy you can build around, and, you know, I I think he is a leader. Um, You know, I might be uh, – I might have a a feeling about him just because of what he stands for, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So – um I think I think he'll probably be here but I'm telling you there are no untouchables as far as I can tell
4: right and it just I was just curious because there was a lot of reports last offseason that they were trying to deal him and I believe Jay Michael even said that uh it was Brogdon that would be traded more so than Turner at at one point so I mean I was just kind of like okay I wonder what the long-term future is here and athletically if you have Brogdon and Sabonis in your starting lineup that's they're good players right but that you you need more athleticism, I think, on this Pacers roster.
2: Absolutely. And and I think moving forward, they really want to build around Duarte, and they really like Isaiah Jackson a lot. Now we've seen Duarte, and I think he's gonna be a hell of a player. Um, but you know, Jackson, we don't really know. He looked great in summer league, he's he's been in and out, he's had you know health issues and stuff. So um, but they they really like what he's gonna bring. So we'll see, you know. I mean, at least at least they finally Got a hit in the draft. They haven't had that in quite a long time.
4: Yeah, no, Duarte has been really fun to watch, and I've even pe- uh, seen people question um, if he would be available, and I would be surprised if he was. But I would he,
2: be very surprised. But he was.
4: could maybe covet you something really good back um, for the right price. But I, I, would, I think that'd be a hard sell to fans if they did trade him because of it's
2: like, it's like we, you, you finally get a good draft T and then you let him go. So I, I think. Duarte represents what they want to rebuild around, which is good, young, relatively cheap players.
4: Right, and and it makes sense. You got him locked up on his rookie contract too, so you'll exactly. at least get eight years uh, possibly out of him if you get him on that restricted free agency. But I um, want to move on now. You had two articles come out today. You did a one-on-one with Reggie Miller and Lance Stevenson. So uh, let's start off with Reggie Miller, obviously. Yeah. Uh, one of the most you know favorite Pacers, if not the most favorite Pacer of all time. Uh, Talked about him becoming the or being named the 47th best player on the Athletics top uh, 75 players in the NBA. Uh, What was some highlights from that interview?
2: Well, I think the the, first of all, I used about half of it. You know, oh wow, we we talked for almost over an hour. Wow, and uh, I used. I mean, I you know, I wrote like 3,300 words. I could have written seven, eight thousand. Wow. The thing that got me was, and I thought, you know, it kind of tugged on the heartstrings. Was he talked about why he resonated and why he felt so comfortable in Indianapolis? That you know he felt overlooked, um, like Indianapolis feels overlooked. That everybody talked about the big sister. Well, we talk about Chicago and the big cities around us. And he just felt like Indy was a town that was a town that had something to prove. And so did Reggie and he said, he said, you know, and then when he talked about deciding not to join the Boston Celtics and I think it was 2007, 2008, Mm -hmm. whatever it was, I think 2007, um, saying, you know, winning a title in a small market is like winning three or four. And he said, you know, I just could not see myself sitting in that locker room, popping champagne, celebrating a championship, when I know we didn't get it done in, Indi- in Indianapolis, which may sound absurd to some people, but if you know Reggie a little bit, you understand it.
4: Yeah, and I mean it was great to uh, to, to read it. I did read the whole thing. Uh, like you said, it was uh, it was a lengthy conversation for sure. And I can't believe you cut out so oh, many words. That's oh, yeah. a. But I, but I know you guys have known each other for a while, so mm-hmm. uh, big Reggie fan. I mean, and and I just want to draw this parallel because we're we're talking kind of about Chris Duarte a little bit. This is another guy that a lot of people were kind of like not sure about when they drafted him. He's 24, a little bit older. Um, he's kind of got that backstory too. Like, Oh, nobody wants to draft an old guy like this. He's in Indiana. Do you think there's any parallels between those two?
2: Well, um, yeah. You know, I mean, Reggie was a four-year guy. Duarte, like you say, I mean, the difference is Duarte started late. Yeah. You know, Duarte grew up on baseball in the Dominican Republic. Didn't really get into basketball until he was a little older. Reggie, I mean, you know, five minutes after he was born, we're shooting baskets. Right. So, you know, I, you know, I guess, I guess there are some uh, similarities, but uh, I think they're 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 both just remarkable scores. I mean, I, right. I think this kid, I think he, I think he can average, you know, more than eighteen points a game the way Reggie did. I really do. Of course, the game is a lot different now. Yeah. Than it was in Reggie's time, but I, this kid looks to me like a big time scorer and will be one for quite some time.
4: Yeah, and I was trying to draw the parallels a little bit because in that interview, you did talk about Reggie's baseball, or um, yeah. he, he brought up baseball yeah, and not playing football. Fun. So yeah. that's that's kind of why I was like, okay, their first love was baseball. They both played in the Pac-12. Yeah. So, you know, just uh, you know, interesting parallels there. But moving on now to to Lance Stevenson. This is the guy that basically one of the big headlines from this article to me was his regret of not re-signing oh, with the Pacers. Yeah. And we've talked about that on this podcast before, just kind of like the hypothetical. But I'm curious, how, how much different do you think his career is and the Pacers franchise is if he does resign in
2: 2014? I think his career is a lot different. I Look, I don't know if he was a difference maker. I don't know that he could have gotten to the next, you know, beyond the first round. I don't think he's a great, great player. Mm-hmm. I think he's a useful player. Um, but no, he uh, he's doing reasonably well up there. Um, you know, it's grand Rapids, So how great can it be? But, um, no, he's yeah, with tell ask me that one more time. I kind of lost my, story.
4: Oh no, you're right. I was just saying, how much would he have impacted the Pacers oh, oh, if he, you know,
2: I mean, he would have quite a bit, but his career would have gone in a completely different direction. You look at 2012, 13, he got into the starting lineup because Danny Granger was out. Then the next year he started 78 games, had career highs in a lot of areas. Um, and the thing that was so stupid on his part, and I hate to use that word, but he really missed the boat. He was offered, if I'm not mistaken, five years, 44, okay, in in Indianapolis. He was offered three years, 27 million, a little more up front. Um, and it had a, an option, a team option, the third year, so they could get rid of him if they wanted, which is exactly what they did. Right. So they could have taken the long-term guaranteed contract in Indiana, and everybody would live happily ever after because <laughs> this place, there's something about it for for him. Coney Island kid, New York, and he just he just fits here. He, he just I think he has the same passion for basketball that most Hoosiers do. Right,
4: and I w- I was actually at the game when he returned uh, when they had Monte Ellis and, and that group, and he came back against the Raptors, got into it with P.J. Tucker, Demar Derozan. I'm sure you remember that in that regular I do. season game. And it was so loud in that field house. I mean, fans were going nuts uh, just by seeing him play. And I mean, even when he played with us with uh, with Victor and Sabonis in seventeen eighteen. I mean, just he's just a fan favorite. I think it's. I think the fans actually like the Shenanigans a little bit. Um, a little
2: bit, just like they did with uh, Ron Ron. You yeah, know? I mean, he's crazy, but he's our crazy, right? Right,
4: right. And and, and Ron, it was good to see him last night at, at gamebridge And same for Antonio Davis. I mean. Uh, This is something I would love to advocate for is just seeing more former Pacers in the arena. Um, Just, just kind of make you feel like a Pacers family and and not be so forgotten.
2: I'm really, I'm really, I mean, I I don't want to sound like, you know, anybody's father, but I'm really proud of Ron. You know, I I am a bit older than he is. so I guess I can say that, but I remember where he was mentally, you know, uh, emotionally back when he was in Indiana and just, you know, how conflicted he was and he was a mess. He needed help. And, God bless him. He went and got it. And now he's, you know, a champion of mental health and uh, gave, you know, uh, didn't he do something with his ring to raise money for mental health, his championship ring. I mean, bless this guy. He's really gotten his act together and I'm happy for him.
4: Absolutely. Well, Bob, I I know we got to get you out of here, but, Want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We'll have to do it again soon, sometime, especially if there's some some deals made in the next couple of months. But um, where can people find you out on social media? And do you have anything you'd like to uh, promote or plug?
2: Well, I'm uh, at B Kravitz at The Athletic. Wait, what am I doing? I'm giving my damn email. I'm at B Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at B Kravitz. People know my email anyway. What's the difference? Uh, and uh, yeah, if you go to The Athletic and you want to read the Reggie Miller piece. Uh, just sign on, go on to my piece. And there's a place uh, in there for you to subscribe or you can do it on the Lance Stevenson piece. Uh, I'll have a bunch of cold stuff next week, um, including a look back at the worst fake punt ever (laughs) in the history of mankind. Oh man,
4: don't make us relive that. Yeah, I'm going to. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, I'll drop those links in the the description here on the podcast. You guys can go check out Bob's work. Bob, thank you so much.
2: We'll talk to you later. Thank you, man. Take care.
4: What is going on, everybody? Joining us now for our Fan of the Week amongst a very busy and newsy Pacers week, it is Jake Xline who is a uh, big fan of the podcast. Jake, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Alex. Excited to be here. Absolutely, man. So let's just get right into it. Um, Let's talk about all this stuff that's going on right now. Uh, People have been hearing my opinions. I'm curious your thoughts on everything that's come out. Maybe just uh, uh, some of the highlights you'd like to point out.
5: Yeah, um, I've actually thought a lot about this recently, to be honest with you. Um, as a lifetime Pacers fan, I think whenever you think back to the glory days and you think back to a lot of the success that we had in the mid to late 90s and the early uh, 2010s with the Paul George team, you know, we we, we come to expect things here in Indiana, right? And, yeah. Yeah. Um, Over the last three years, whenever you have all the the injuries and stuff like that, we want to run it back just because we want to see what happens and see what what the team looks like whenever they're healthy. You know, now, three years later, it's like, I just don't know if this team's ever going to get healthy. And we uh, we can keep going that route. But, you know, at some point in time, fans just start to become, you know, impatient with the process and seeing what they have. And I just think that right now, that's really what a lot of fans are feeling is just a lot of impatient. I'm like, Hey, we've been sitting around waiting for a long time. Let's, we're ready to start competing. We're ready to start, you know, watching the team. We want to show up to the games. We want to be supportive, but you're really not giving us a product to be a support to be able to, to support, Right. Uh, you know, to no fault of the player zone because obviously they can't control their health. Um, but, but it, I, I think there's some impatience from the fans, but also from the players, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to watch from times whenever you see the lack of energy and the lack of effort.
4: Yeah, well, let's just get right into that because I think it was against the Pistons. Rick Carlisle came out and said we have a hard play issue. Um, that's something you want to hear from a team that's, you know, got a, got a solid core that's been here for a while. Then they get benched against the Hornets. Then you go and look at the Hawks game where they lose on a, on a non-foul call with Kevin Herter on, on Chris Duarte. And it was just a heartbreaking loss, right? The team stays in there for, what, 45 minutes before Carlisle comes out to do media uh, questions and, and whatever. And, and all of a sudden, the team comes out the next game after what they called a hard practice that Thursday before they played the Heat. And they came out flat once again. So just a, a handful of games and stretches here where this team just looks really flat. Um, I guess I have to ask you, is there anybody you'd be incredibly sad to see leave if, if there were deals made?
5: Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I think as a Pacer fan, you know, obviously growing up you have Reggie, you got, you know, guys like Paul George or Vic, it's really easy to, to get attached to a player like that. I, yeah. I think that that's something that this team is really lacking is that one player. Uh, you you would want it to be Domas. You know, you'd, you'd want to be able to get behind Domas because he's the two-time all-star. He's, you know, our so, so, so-called so best player outside of Brogdon. But I just, in my opinion, I really don't think that we have that one player that you can really get behind that you're like, man, that's my guy, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Vic was that guy, you know, he rips the fans' heart out. And, you know, I think that really what it comes down to it is, I think also as Pacers fan, now we're kind of, we're developing a little bit of a trust issue, right? <laughs> because yeah. you don't want to give your heart to a player because who knows if they gonna they, they want right. to be here. Um, but I know that's a roundabout way of answering. I I honestly don't think that there's a player that I would be heartbroken to see leave. Um, I mean, it would be tough to see, to see Miles go. But, you know, also as a fan, you know, I, I want to see wins. You know, I've been a lifelong Pacers fan. I've seen them be able to get to the, the Eastern Conference Finals. I've been able to, get, to see them get to the finals one time in my life. You know, I, I want to watch them get over the mountain. You know, and I think mm-hmm. – uh, you probably mentioned uh, posted or you probably already mentioned something about Reggie's quote earlier today that came out, mm-hmm. you know, in a small market, like they live and die with you. And I, I felt that I grew up with that. And, you know, I'm at a point now that if we trade somebody, if it's for the better of the team, right. But if it's not for the better of the team, you <laughs> can not be pretty frustrating.
4: Right. I mean, the grass isn't always greener, you know, depending on what deal is made. But I do think that fans have been, you know, clamoring for, Change. I mean, they want to shake up. And I know there's going to be a lot of fans that are going to be upset based on what moves are made because we have a lot of Miles Turner fans and we also have a lot of DeMontis Sabonis fans. So if either one of those mm-hmm. guys are moved, which is more than likely going to happen, I think you're going to see a lot of fans very frustrated. But at the same time, whether you're a Domas guy or a Miles guy or you're neither or you're both, the ultimate goal is for this team to win. And that's what you want is for this team to get back to the promised land. So winning will cure all. Um, in the moment people might get upset but that's just being a fan right so um, Mm -hmm. let's talk about your fandom when did you first become a fan of the Indiana Pacers and uh, maybe some of your favorite moments as a fan
5: man gosh I don't know I really don't know when to start I grew up in uh, Terre Haute so about 15 minutes outside of Indianapolis Um, basketball has always been a huge part of my family and we've always just had basketball games whether it's uh, whether it's the Pacers games or the Indiana Hoosiers, I grew up five minutes from Indiana state. So we, uh, my grandparents had season tickets. So that's just what we did. Basketball's in our blood, yeah. Um, which I mean, someone, it, anyone from Indiana can understand that. Right. And, right. um, really a lot of it comes down to my dad. My dad uh, grew up in the time where bird was at Indiana state. They went to every single basketball game when Larry bird was at Indiana state. So, uh, before that, my dad was a Pacers fan, and then Larry Bird came came around, and then naturally followed him to Boston. And so, in 1992, when I was born, um, same year that Larry retired, so naturally my dad started to progress back towards the Pacers. And uh, ever since I can remember, man, the, the Pacers have always been on TV. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a household full of all girls on my dad's side, uh, just like any <laughs> other kid in Indiana I had a had a Fisher Price basketball goal. Hey, day. there we go uh man I remember having Indiana Pacers games on Fox Foxport Midwest and uh on Channel 4 with Clark Kellogg as the the killer commentator and, yeah. you know I would I would Al commentate Albert. five yeah Al Albert you yeah. have like you know the five on five um five on five games in my room you know naturally myself and Reggie were scoring all the points <laughs> um and so for me like the Pacers were just a big part of what the day the day to day life was for me, and it was just really easy to root for a team that had Reggie Miller and Mark Jackson and Rick Smits, and then the Davis boys. Um, you know, obviously, growing up, Reggie's my all time favorite basketball player, but Travis Best is one of my all time favorite Pacers. Oh, that's a so nice. I think that I think that he's I think he hit one of the greatest shots ever uh, when it comes to Pacers history that gets the Bucks three to win against Game Five. Yeah. Yep,
2: yep. Um,
5: I mean, I would – I had a little Nickelodeon radio and I'd turn it to, you know, 107.5 and, and – or, yeah. Uh, and as I was laying in bed listening to a lot of those games. Um, and then I think when I was about 10, my dad got the mini season tickets, the 10-game package. Uh-huh. And so a, a real big way for me and my dad to bond, we would drive back and forth. We would go to the Pacers game. We'd go to Culver's before the game. and we, then we would go to the Pacers game. And then after – we would go out and sit outside the tunnel and wait for the players to leave, get autographs and stuff like that. So, you know, also when I think about the Pacers, I think about the relationship that I have with my dad. And That's a big awesome. part of the friendship that I have with my dad is from the, the memories that we have of driving back and forth to uh Seaco, Bankers Life Cambridge, yeah. uh, being able to experience that. And, and, and so um, for me, I mean, especially now having NBA League pass, I mean, I was the guy in college. Uh, I was in college whenever the Pacers uh, went to back-to-back Eastern Conference finals. You could ask a lot of my friends. I went to school uh, out of state. And I really planned my days and my evenings around the Pacers schedule. If they were playing, I probably wasn't doing a whole lot of stuff. I was, <laughs> I was probably a social loser right. <laughs> in college. Same here. Uh, but, dude, I was committed because the Pacers were good. And, you know, I just you, – you live and die by the game, you know. And I think Reggie hit the, hit the nail on the head with that.
4: Right. No, that's a lot of good, interesting stuff. And I love the part of you and your dad just having that special bond. I remember my dad um, used to record the games on VCR and we'd watch them. And, um, you know, if you're ever out of town, you know, or ever out of you know the house and you couldn't watch a game, there was no DVR at the time. So you had to pop in an old VCR and then fast forward through all the, the, the funny Marsh, Larry Bird commercials and stuff like that. So, I mean, you, yeah, I, I too am a 92 baby. So uh, I feel you there. So. Uh, one like more it. one more year to a 30 right so yeah
5: man, oh my gosh yeah so
4: I, yeah i'm hoping the pacers can turn this around for year 34 us uh really start heading it. towards the the right direction because right now it's been kind of frustrating but okay so i'm gonna give you the chance to ask me any questions i know fachi's not here but um are there any questions you'd like to ask me
5: yeah um i mean what are and i, I listen to all the episodes so i i don't want to be redundant and talk on topics that you said, covered, but you know, what, um, if anything, what do, you, what do you feel like is a move that the Pacers can make? I mean, I know, uh, seemingly, it seems like Miles is probably the easiest one to trade just because of this fit, right. Um, but obviously, Domas is the better player. Uh, I mean, just seemingly all around. Um, you know, what do you think would be the top value that we could get out of those two guys if we were to look to move them?
4: That's a good question. I'm, I'm not like a thousand percent sure exactly what's out there, what's available. Um, with Miles Turner coming out in that article, I don't necessarily think that he said "get me out of here," but it was pretty close to like "hey, I'm done, I'm ready for change." And um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think Miles has been kind of ready for a new role for a couple of years now, probably going back to when he was in those trade rumors with Boston. Um, but but with that being said, I think ultimately if you're if you're trading Turner, you're probably wanting to find a young guy that's kind of buried on a roster. Um, I'm just gonna throw it out here. I don't really have anything out there like. Set in stone, but like you look at the Knicks last night, they have some young guys like Obi Toppin, uh, Emmanuel quickly. The Knicks could really use Miles Turner. Um, if they're willing to, you know, give you like an expiring or or Kimba's, you know, short contract with Obi or Emmanuel quickly and a first round pick for Miles, I know it's not like perfect, but it's interesting because you're getting a young player plus a pick for miles. I think that's kind of the ideal thing. Obviously PJ Washington is a guy that I've said several times on this podcast. so I don't want to be super redundant there, but you know, with, with Sabonis, it just depends on what team is willing to trade for him. Like I could see San Antonio being a team that's willing to give up more, or maybe Washington. Those are two teams that I could see really being in- intrigued by getting Sabonis to pair with their core guys. But with that being said, I mean, it's just the Pacers are going to have their hands tied a little bit knowing that everybody is available so um lavert to me is the hardest one to trade of all of them because i don't think there's a lot of value for him right now with the injuries and uh his he's kind of a ball stopper at times right and he's not a great three-point shooter um you know domas has a two-time all-star on his late on his name so that does make his value maybe a little bit higher than than turner's for for a certain specific teams right not every team but uh, ultimately yeah i mean i'm 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 in favor of getting a young player uh or a or a high value pick or you know combination of both
5: yeah i and I, i'm right there with you i mean i think that if you can get a good player or a good young player up and coming even even like i don't want to say a project because i think pacer's fan, fans are tired of a project but somebody that does have talent and promise that you can show. I mean, quickly kill this. I mean, yeah. I, I think that if you if Knicks were able to offer somebody like him, I think you pull the trigger on that. Just because yeah. he's a he's a high energy guy that can that can knock down a ton of threes and get hot at any time. Yeah. Um it'll be interesting to see what they do, that's for sure.
4: Yeah, for, for sure, man. So um as we as we sign off here, do you
5: have any hot takes before I let you go? Um I do and I was actually thinking about this. And this, it, it's going to be a hot take because I know that I think Pacers fans are uh, are, are kind of split on this, but I think that Malcolm Brogdon's contracts are going to bite him in the, of the butt. Okay,
4: yeah. You know what's funny is in the previous segment I asked Bob Kravitz. I said Brogdon's Brogdon's name was mentioned a lot by Jay Michael before the season started. I know he can't be dealt this off season, or this 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 season, but could he be dealt next offseason? And his response was. Nothing's off the table. Uh, I think they would be open to anything. So he likes Brogdon though. So he didn't think, you know, he'd be a guy to really trade. But I I think at $20 million, it's to me, it's not like the worst deal. Obviously you need to get more athletic. Obviously Brogdon has his limitations, but signing him to that extension, it does make him a much more valuable asset. And that's why I I I agree with
5: that. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think, and the reason why I think it's more of a hot take for me and obviously, I, I'm not in the, in the locker room, so I, I don't know, and obviously you hear seemingly good things about about Martin from some of the other players. but I just know from an outsider looking in and I actually had a conversation on Twitter with Tony Yeast right before, um, uh, right before COVID of a game and it was the game that he ultimately ended up uh, taking over against the bucks. Okay. There's so many games that he looks so disinterested in on the sidelines or on the bench that it, from a fan, if I'm looking at you to where you're going to be, you know, the captain of our team, we're going to rely on you. I need to see a little bit more fire out of you. And I just feel like when we talk about the effort issue, from what I've observed from watching a ton of games, I, you almost have to point the, point the finger at Brogdon, right? Because if that's going to be your leader, if that's going to be your floor general out on the floor – you need somebody that's going to be able to galvanize the troops you
4: know yeah and maybe maybe that's part of the problem they need a better leader and and maybe they can find a guy via trade to to become that leader and brogdon can kind of take a secondary role which is what i think you'd be better suited as so um yeah but no that was a interesting hot take i'm i'm liking the spiciness i think it's funny that we both asked about brogdon on this podcast so uh stays with the theme without even talking about it so um all right everybody where can you uh where can you be found on twitter
5: yeah, um JXline31 or J underscore Xline31. I'm not sure I think I both. Um, that would be my Twitter follow. I really don't tweet about a whole lot of stuff outside of the Pacers. That's, well, that's why you're here. Best way to, <laughs> yeah, it's usually my best <laughs> way to fit. Uh There's there's all kinds of hot takes. Um, either either the Pacers or Tiger Woods. Uh, that's oh, what there we go. All
4: right, everybody. Well, you can find all of us on setting the pace three i'm an alex golden the va flashes at underscore f-a-c-c-i you can find us on instagram at pacers talk and over at facebook and tiktok at setting the pace so jake if you're highly excited to see the pacers make some big moves during this rebuild say these three words
5: let's go pacers